Welcome to the Going for Two podcast, a podcast where Logan and I get to relive our dreams of playing pro sports while not having to be in shape to play those sports. I'm your host, Ben, joined today by the other host, the one, the only, Logan Sartain. Logan, every time I hear about the defensive back for Alabama, Patrick Sartain, I think of you. Uh, I appreciate that. We uh, we share a lot in common, that's for sure. Do, do you? Was Oh, wow. Because I think in the intro, I was just saying that uh, it's sort of contradictory to that effect. But, you know, if you say well, so. Well, I mean, at this point in both of our careers, we're no longer professional athletes. So there's No that. longer professional um, athletes. <laughs> that's correct. And then the pronunciation of our name is is close. And um, we have both played cornerback at a point in our athletic career. Wow. Um, Him to a much better degree (laughs) um, and much more successfully. I was never very good at defense, but. Well, you know, it's uh, maybe one day you'll get mistaken for him. (laughs) Wow. Is there, is there, (laughs) is there a chance of that? I can't say that there is. The physical differences between us are are countless, really. Well, you know, maybe if somebody sees just something like associated with football and then the oh, last name Sartain. And then Sartain. Yeah, yeah maybe. and then it's like, oh, any chance this is Patrick Sartain? And, uh, but, but that's about as far as I think it could go. <laughs> yeah, like if I'm, again, eating in a uh, – airport bar in St. Louis airport. Um, I don't think Marty Smith is going to come up to me and say, <laughs> Hey, are you Patrick Sartain? <laughs> but there's a chance, right? Like a very small chance. Very, very small chance. <laughs> All right. I like stranger it. things have happened. That's you're not wrong. Especially the NFL season coming up is going to be a very strange thing. You like that transition? That was flawless. That's for sure. Right. Um, yeah, no so, doubt. This, so we're recording this on Tuesday night, uh, football will be here in exactly 48, uh, actually 49, uh, hours and nine minutes from right now. So, uh, we've got just enough time to give our input before the, uh, season begins in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'm really excited to discuss the NFL because you know we've been like the NBA and college mm-hmm. basketball, the MLB, COVID, and you know things like that. But let's be honest, the heart and soul of this podcast is the NFL. So with it coming back, we're ready to roll big time. It really is, and I I am pumped. And you know, a lot of people got really excited when just any sport came back so much that they were watching Korean baseball, but. I didn't even like – I've watched more NBA in years past than I have this year, but I think mm-hmm. it was something about being so busy through this time for me and missing a lot of sports. And then it feels like the NFL season just snuck up on us. No preseason games, um, no OTAs. You know, there was so much we missed in offseason talk. I was talking to you about how many free agent moves I had no clue happened. <laughs> Lamar Miller was a Patriot. I mean, he's not anymore, but he was. And yeah. Jordan Reed's playing for the 49ers. This is, this is craziness. Like, how did I miss all this? But I am super pumped, and I, I, I feel like I'll be watching probably more football than I normally do this year. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the things that we want to cover diving in are the storylines for the NFL mm-hmm. season. So uh, Logan and I both picked out one primary storyline going into this season that we're excited to watch. Um, you know, and it's a natural segue because my storyline is COVID and how it's going right. to affect the NFL. Um, you know, that's not a, uh, that's not kind of a groundbreaking storyline or anything like that, but you were saying how, it seemed like the NFL season snuck up on us. And I really think that, you know, that's due in part because we didn't have any preseason games, but I also think that's largely due in part because we didn't know if the NFL was going to be pushed back or even occur. I mean, that was my 
thinking at the very least. Um, I was not convinced that the NFL was going to start on time. I was not convinced there was going to be an NFL season. In fact, I was not convinced the NFL was going to start on time until about a week ago or so. So because of that narrative, uh, the NFL season really, you know, like you said, just sort of popped out of nowhere. Um, But the hype leading up to the season, I think, as like sort of people realized, oh, we're a week away. Oh, this is serious. Like this is happening for real. Here we go. Mm-hmm. I, is is has been tremendous, and I think the next couple of days, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun leading up to the Chiefs Texans on Thursday night. Um, but yeah, so my my storyline to watch, as I said, is COVID and how that affects the NFL. Right. Um, with the, with the NBA, you know, we saw. I think they did a really good job simulating a game atmosphere, at least for TV viewership. Do you, would you agree with that? Oh yeah. For not, they did, they did the, they piped in the crowd noise. Mm -hmm. It felt like you were watching a normal game. It really did. Yeah. For most parts, I could literally forget that COVID was going on when Mm -hmm. I was watching an NBA game. I feel like the NFL is going to have a harder time doing that. Even with limited fans in some stadiums, the emptiness of those stadiums is going to be uh, noticeable. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, with, they have the, the, the DJ, um, I believe uh, she was in charge of the music, but I believe she was in charge of the crowd noise as well. And she did a phenomenal job for these games um, because yeah, it, it really felt like you were there, but for the NFL, I agree. It's going to be hard to, um, reinvent that and, mm-hmm. and, and emulate that crowd noise just because of the sheer size of the stadium. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've been thinking along the lines of, well, okay, are we going to have a truncated season or are we going to have a, um, a season where we have to take a break in the middle? You know, what is that going to look like? And I think I'm making a prediction here and I hope that I'm wrong for a lot of reasons, but I'm going on the record. I think we'll have about four to seven games and then the season's canceled. Wow, I really do. I I think from a health perspective, there's no way to. I I think that once people once um, testing, well, I guess I should say you know we're comparing it to the NBA bubble, which is such a um, siloed atmosphere, and they're mm-hmm. able to quarantine before they enter, and you know all of those health regulations and procedures. Um, the NFL has done a good job so far of not having had outbreaks in their facilities. And, you know, everybody has been um, practicing and coaching in their facilities as normal. Uh, but I think as the general interaction increases, once the season really starts to get going, um, including travel, uh, I think that it's going to be really, really difficult to contain. And just because you can't play the NFL in a bubble um, I think, you know, and they're not, they didn't shift to a different format, right? They're, you know, they didn't shift to a format of only playing uh, in uh, division games or right. only playing in the, in the in your region, the, or... right. In your region, things like that. Um, they didn't modify it at all, um, which I don't, I don't know if that was a good or bad call, but it, it's hard that if they do have these outbreaks, it's going to be difficult to shift away from that to a, a contingency plan where they can continue to play. So I give it four to seven games. Um, I don't think, or I, I hope that I'm wrong, um, but we'll see. And that's, that's why um, Kobe. And, you know, another thing is that um, in Lincoln Riley uh, came out and sort of intimated, he sort of discussed this today um, for Oklahoma is that COVID is going to play a big factor in, um, it, sort of like on the injured uh, for the injury report, you know, if right. you have a quarterback who all of a sudden is diagnosed with COVID, well, he can't play that week, you know? And so that's going to be something very interesting to watch because it can a- appear just like that, knock you out for one or two games. And then, and then you can come back in. So it's going to be this really interesting, su- like semi injury esque feeling um, for, a, you know, for some players around the league. Um so that's going to be interesting to watch. So a lot of reasons why COVID is going to be um, a major storyline throughout the NFL this season. Um, but those are some of my main takeaways from that storyline. Well, Ben, fortunately, um, or hopefully, I guess, hopefully thinking, I am. I, I have to disagree with you. I think that we'll have a full NFL season. Um, 
maybe that's me being overly optimistic, but I will say that um, I think if the NFL handles COVID cases like the Major League Baseball is handling them, then you're probably right. We probably won't be able to finish the season because um, the because of the schedule. Only playing once a week, you can't cancel a game. You can't mm-hmm. reschedule. You have, I mean, you have one game per team that could potentially be rescheduled, and you could push it back to their bye week. You know that is that is your only if it works out with the other team, and in most cases it doesn't. So. Mm-hmm. It's really nearly impossible to cancel a game and have a complete schedule. But I really haven't quite understood why Major League Baseball's handled it like they have. Um, I would think that you would, you know, you do a round, you have someone test positive. Okay, you do another round of testing to make sure no one else is positive. You isolate those people, you continue testing, and you move forward. But it seems like every time anyone on a team in their staff and a player, anytime they have a player test positive, they shut down operations for at least two or three days. Mm-hmm. If the NFL reacts like that and, you know, I'm not a medical professional, maybe that's the proper way to handle it. But if the NFL works like that, operates like that with these tests, then the season will be canceled. It, and, no doubt there's just there's going to be someone who gets te- gets tested positive unlike the nba bubble because it's not a bubble and then you know it's all about to me it's how how they handle it um if they're able to push through when they do see positive tests and play that week um if they can't then yeah it i i think you're right but i'm i'm hopeful that they'll handle it a little bit differently and maybe the the length of time in between games will also help that um but -hmm. we'll see it's definitely going to be a season like no other yeah i agree and i think the you make an interesting point because that begs the question um there will probably unfortunately be you know outbreaks within like certain teams and then if that team can't play that week then you know do they end up having only 15 games that they played you know how does that work do we have some teams that have played 13 games, some teams that have played full 16 and how does that work for seeding? So it it begs a whole lot of questions and logistical challenges and new complexities. Um, So yeah, I completely agree. This is going to be a season that has been unlike another. Um, So Logan, that was my headline. Let's hear your headline. So I am most interested in what's going to happen with Tom Brady and the Patriots. Post breaker, okay. you know that it's uh, maybe been the biggest storyline of the off season, and um, you know Tom Brady is now a Buccaneer. He's recruited his good buddy Gronk to come down there with him, and the Patriots have replaced him with former MVP Cam Newton. Um, yeah. Is it just me, or does this feel like um, a Madden off season when you're playing franchise, like? <laughs> these players just end up on <laughs> random teams and you're like, that's not really going to happen. Like, oh, 100%. One, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was of the mind that Brady was sticking where he was. I thought mm-hmm. there was just about no chance he was going anywhere else. I probably said that on a couple of our podcasts. Lo and behold, I stand corrected. And the Buccaneers were not a destination that either of us talked about seriously for, yep. for Tom Brady. We talked about it for Phillip Rivers. I think I've, said that uh, Cam Newton would be a good fit in Bruce Arian's offense, but nowhere I, – I had no idea that it would be Tom Brady to the Bucks. Um, but that's going to be interesting. I think Tom Brady and the Bucks are going to be good. I'm riding the hype train just a little bit because okay. I can't help but think about Tom Brady, who's considered the greatest of all time, I don't agree with that, but that's another episode. Um, he's definitely an all-time great. Um, he's been playing with Julian Edelman and a bunch of scrubs at receiver mm-hmm. for the last five years. And now he's got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Yep. And three solid tight ends. And they just signed Leonard Fournette. I mean, mm-hmm. there's 
there's an abundance of riches on that offense and their offensive line is not bad and their defense is really good. I targeted their defense in in most of my fantasy football leagues because they get sacks and they're going to be playing from ahead, I think. And that's going to mean they're going to force turnovers too. So I see this as Tom Brady set up pretty well. And I, I look at the Patriots and you know, the Cam Newton move got headlines, but didn't make him a better football team, right? They, they didn't trade out Cam Newton for Tom Brady and get better. And right. they struggled last year by Patriot standards. Yeah. So they also had eight players opt out due to COVID. And uh, I think I think they may not – I don't think they'll win the division – I'm not sure they'll make the playoffs. I have it in the back of my mind that they may be tanking for Trevor. Wow. Oh, man. Trevor with uh, Belichick would be uh, something to watch over the years. But, no, I think you make a interesting point because if you just look at it in a vacuum, if they swap solely Brady with Cam, they did not become a better team. Now, I would argue that they were now in a better position than – they would have been with Jared Sidham, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's a different conversation, right? So I think that that is an interesting point. And then the the whole COVID opting out, like that team lost a good deal of, of very significantly important players uh, who are no longer playing in this season. And so Cam has to come in and try to fix that and, and um, work within that new system without these key players and so what we're gonna see i think in this season coming up is the true genius of bill belichick you know he's gonna he's gonna have the opportunity he's obviously shined and arguably the best head coach of all time but it's gonna be fantastic to watch what he can do with this team because i mean their team is vastly different um personnel wise uh who they swapped out and who they don't have anymore um, from those other players opting out. So I completely agree that that's going to be super interesting. Uh, I was listening to a uh, show on ESPN the other day, and they posed a, a fairly difficult question. I would love to hear your response on this. And the question was, if you had to choose which one was more likely, A, either the Bucks making the Super Bowl, or B, the Bucks missing the playoffs, which would you choose? Hmm. I'd have to choose Bucks making the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yep. How much did the Leonard Fournette signing affect that? Would you have said that a week ago? Um, it would have been a little closer, but mm-hmm. I still would have said that. And then, I mean, I don't know. I just I think they make the playoffs. Um, I think, but just because of Jameis Winston through. 33 touchdowns and 31 interceptions, something like that last season, Tom Brady's not going to throw 20 interceptions. Yeah. And if you take, if you just take that away from their team last year, you take away 10, 15 interceptions, they, they're a playoff team. They, they lost a lot of close games. They had a high scoring offense um, in, in some games. And, you know, then you had your games where Jameis threw four interceptions, but mm-hmm. so I think just thinking about that, just decreasing their turnovers on offense makes them a playoff team. Um, so I, I don't think it's very likely at all that they miss the playoffs. Even I think the saints are going to win the division. I think they're the best team in the division. Um, so I, I, I struggle and we're going to talk about Super Bowl picks at the end of the episode, but I would struggle to make them my Super Bowl pick. But I, again, I just think it's very, very unlikely the Bucks miss the playoffs. Yeah. You know, I, and I think that um, it is difficult to believe they'd miss the playoffs also because remember the uh, playoffs are expanding, they're adding in. Um, what That's is right. it? I believe it's a third. two extra. T- is it? Is it? I think it's just a third. I think there's going to be seven and seven, 14 okay. playoff teams. Gotcha. Right. So two extra teams in total in the NFL. So mm-hmm. there's that extra spot up for grabs. 
Uh, and there's always so many teams that are right on the cusp. Right. So, you know, that will be an extra incentive for yeah. them to push harder. 10 and 6 probably gets you a playoff spot. So if you're telling me that the Buccaneers are going to go 9 and 7, uh, I'll, I'll take the over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, it'll be interesting to see, especially because that uh, NFC South is, um, you know, the the Panthers, they had a lot of change, obviously, with Cam Leon and Teddy coming in, mm-hmm. and then the Falcons have been, you know, just uh, on a Super Bowl slump for years and years. Yeah. Um, Saints playing good football, but, you know, they, they don't always play great football, depending on the season, so... You know, that NFC South may be up for grabs this year. That's for sure. So, look, I want to move into a probably our most fun segment of the night, hopefully fun for both us and the listeners. Um, but we're going to transition, listeners, into a time of rapid-fire questions. So I have prepared about six questions, and Logan has prepared about six questions uh, that we're going to rapidly fire off to one another. We did not review these questions beforehand. So uh, Logan probably made them extremely hard for me to answer, but that's okay. I hope none of them are like trivia questions. Like that would be <laughs> like a jerk move, <laughs> like well, super was... easy trivia questions that I don't remember. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you said that. Cause I was thinking, please don't get me to admit some very personal detail about my life just by <laughs> throwing it into a rapid fire question where I just answer it without thinking. Yeah, well, I appreciate you giving me the idea now because I oh, may gosh. actually do that. Um, but awesome. I love it. So, Logan, would you like to go back and forth or would you like me to ask you the questions rapid fire first? I think I'll let you hit me with all your questions okay. and then we'll we'll discuss one of them after that. All right. Sounds good. We are starting the hypothetical timer in five Four, three, two, one. Here we go. Logan, how many weeks will Mitchell Trubisky start this year? Four weeks. Four weeks. I like it. Nice prompt answer. This is going to go smoothly. Logan, who is going to be the most improved player this year? Most improved player will be Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Cleveland Browns. Cleveland fans would love that. All right. Mm -hmm. Who is the most exciting receiver QB combo to watch this season. Receiver QB combo, Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown. Okay, yeah, I believe he added some weight in the offseason, so we'll see if he can add that to his speed. Logan, defensive MVP, go. Nick Bosa. Whoa, all right. You just fire that off. I love it. All right, uh, we got two more questions. Two more questions. This is going well. All right. It is Super Bowl or bust for which team? The Buccaneers. Oh, the okay. All right, I like it. All right, now it's Super Bowl or bust for which player? Oh, now you got me, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, all right. I love that. Okay, um, that's interesting. So I want to uh, pick your brain a little bit about our very first question. So earlier uh, in the week, Mitchell Trubisky was named the starter of the Chicago mm-hmm. Bears over Nick Foles, a QB battle that was pitting the first overall draft from UNC. And mind you, I went to the UNC Duke game when he played at Duke, and we watched not only UNC lose, but uh, Mitchell Trubisky threw five interceptions oh, that game, wow. and we stormed the field, so it was phenomenal. So Was Daniel, was Daniel Jones the starter for Duke? Yeah, I think so. I believe so because I remember thinking later, wow, I had no clue I was watching the number one overall pick against the number six overall pick in that game. Yeah. And I don't think anyone would have thought that. But anyways, that's a topic for another podcast. Uh, But, you know, talking about Mitch Trubisky starting, he's had such trouble the past couple of years. And obviously he made, I believe it was a Pro Bowl his very first year. So that looked good. But – Give me some rationale behind the four weeks, Uh, because although if my predictions are correct and the season only lasts four weeks, (laughs) then he started the entire season. So, yeah, well, I heard a reasoning behind why you start Mitchell Trubisky to start the season, and it made a lot of sense to me. If you start Mitch Trubisky 
and put Nick Foles as your backup. Nick Foles is a pro. He's been a backup before. He knows how to be a backup. He's been productive coming off the bench um, due to injury or due to benching. And he's good with that. If you flip it, Mitch Trubisky takes a hit. You know, he's going to take that personally. He might, his confidence is going to take a hit. He is not equipped to come off the bench. So uh. if you start the season with Nick Foles as your quarterback and Nick Foles isn't getting it done, you have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Like Mitch Trubisky is already lost at that point. So if it was even close, you got to give the starting job to Trubisky to give him one last chance because then here's, here's how you can play it. You know, I said week four, Mitch Trubisky comes out, Nick Foles comes in. I think we're probably dealing with, I don't think the bears are going to be good enough to be even in playoff contention, um, not just due to their quarterback play, but all around their, I don't think they're as talented of a team as they need to be. Um, so Nick Foles comes in. You could still go back to Mitch Trubisky later in the season. You know, you had the benching. Um, maybe it serves as a inspirational moment for Trubisky, and he comes back better. You know, if mm-hmm. you if you start the season with Nick Foles as the starter, then I think you've lost Trubisky for the for the remainder of his time with the Bears. But um, yeah, four four weeks. That's enough for Mitch to. Um, have an abysmal, you know, two touchdown, one interception, two touchdown, one interception, one TD, three interception game, and then that's it. You know, you've Mm -hmm. lost three or four games and it's time to make a move. Yeah, you know, I think that's a good point. And you think about Nick Foles is essentially being uh, right along the lines of a Ryan Fitzpatrick, one of the best backup quarterbacks you can have. Uh, not only in the league, but in NFL history. I mean, yeah. for him coming in and taking over from Carson Wentz uh, to leading them, the Eagles, to a Super Bowl victory. I mean, that's exactly what you want yeah. the uh, uh, backup quarterback to be able to do. So, not many teams or no team right now, can, other than the Bears, can say they have a Super Bowl MVP as their backup. Yeah, one thing I'm interested to see for this season is is if the Bears and Matt Nagy use – Mitchell Trubisky's running ability because he's not a bad runner. And so for him um, to come in and maybe not rely on his arm so much, but instead rely a little bit more on his legs, we'll just give him sort of that confidence and the ability to affect the game more so than Nick Foles could do with just his legs. So, um, you know, he's, he's a good runner. So we'll see if, if that's a position that they want to take um, with Trubisky to get it done this season. For sure. I don't know if you remember this, but a few years ago, I broke down um, some of the quarterbacks coming into the league with some of the ones who had been in the league for a few years. And I said that Mitch Trubisky is Blake Bortles. And Mm. what I meant by that, he's overdrafted. And you look at Blake Bortles' last successful season with the Jaguars, and he was – he had a game – a playoff game where he had more rushing yards than passing (laughs) yards. Yeah. And that's insane because he's not that great of a runner. Mitch is mm-hmm. a better runner. So, yeah, I don't think that's a, a bad point there. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome. Well, you did a great job answering the rapid-fire questions. I'm hoping I do as decent as a job. All right. So I may have a few more than you did, but you didn't really touch on any of the topics I'm going to touch on. So we're just going to run Perfect. through them and see what we get. All right, All right. Ben, your questions start in three, two. One, who will win the MVP? Deshaun Watson. What will the Browns' record be? Nine and seven. Is this Dax last year with the Cowboys? No. Will New England make the playoffs? Yes. Who will have the worst record in the NFL? Oh, the New York Jets. Is this Aaron Rodgers last year with the Packers? No. Who has the best offensive line in the league? Indianapolis Colts. 
Who is your fantasy football sleeper? Oof. Uh, he's banged up right now, but I got to go Devin, uh, David Montgomery. He <laughs> almost said Devin Montgomery. That's so great. Okay. Um, was the Jamal Adams trade good for the Seahawks? Yes. Are the Jets headed in the right direction? No. Who will lead the league in rushing? Ezekiel Elliott. Ooh. Will Leonard Fournette turn his career around? No. Okay. Those are some good good questions, and <laughs> I, I wish we had time to dive into more of them. But I, the one I, I want to hear your take on is the mm-hmm. – uh, the Jamal Adams trade. What? What you said it was good for the Seahawks. What's your rationale behind that? Yeah, um, that you know that was a a really interesting question because um, I watched Jamal Adams on um, a show sometime last week, um, and it was about you know how he's fitting into the Seahawks, and um, you know, and it seemed like everything was going well. Um, but yeah, so he, so remind me, he, they, they gave up, um, about, it was their 2021 first round pick, a 2021 third round and a 2022 first round. And then I, there was also a 2022 fourth round and I, I did look it up just now. I don't have that, all, <laughs> all of those like four picks ingrained in my memory. So, um, but yeah, you know, it it was a, a lot of people were saying, well, like within all of that, there was two first round picks that were nestled into it. Um, and that's a really, really, really difficult thing to justify. But you mm-hmm. look at when the Seahawks have been successful and that, um, you know, they've been successful uh, within the past few years. But obviously when they were super successful, it was the Legion of Boom years. Um, and even then, Russell Wilson was playing great football, but he wasn't playing his MVP caliber football that he's been playing the past few years. So they had the Legion of Boom with a fairly good Russell Wilson, but not his elite level that he is now. So if now we're trying to put a Legion of Boom back together with Russell Wilson playing at such a high caliber um, MVP level that he's been playing over the past couple of years and finally adding some um, wide receivers uh, with uh, DK Metcalf. Obviously, Lockett is still there playing great football. Josh Gordon was just reinstated, so we'll see what shakes out with that. Um, but, you know, finally having the pieces around to not just contend for, you know, where they've been sort of contending in the divisional round, but really pushing for that Super Bowl victory. Um, and I think Jamal Adams is not the finishing piece, but he is a substantial piece to getting there. And I think that the way that the Seahawks is, are going to build is that they're going to say, you know, hey, we have a great team. We have a young quarterback who's playing, in, you know, who's a recipe um, for success for a Super Bowl winning team. And we have a fantastic players coach, you know, and we, you know, have a winning vibe. And so I think that's going to attract free agents. Um, and that's how they're going to be able to, um, sort of navigate their way through recruiting talent when they can't necessarily rely on that, uh, those two first round picks that they gave up for Adam. So I could see the argument going both ways, but I think, you know, a bird in that, what is it? A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. So knowing what you're getting for Jamal Adams right now, um, may have more value for, um, than, figuring out what you can get with those first round and, uh, you know, third and fourth round picks in the next two drafts. So yeah, uh, we'll see. Time will tell. I'll say it's, it's hard to say, right. Um, we can't judge it yet. Right. Because those picks haven't been made. You know, we don't know what the Seahawks would have done with those picks, but to me, it's almost, um, an admission by the Seahawks organization that they, are not happy with the success of their scouting department, right? Like they just said, we can't find him in the late Mm -hmm. round of the next two drafts or those two first round picks. They have, they don't have confidence in, in drafting. I think that tells you they don't even have confidence in drafting a starter at those picks. Mm -hmm. 
and they know they're going to be good enough to be in the late round, so they're not guaranteed a top level guy. Right. And you you know that it's not a. I don't think that's a bad thing to admit. You know, it's good to be mm-hmm. realistic, and they really haven't drafted that well as of late. Yeah. No. So, I mean, you make. Yeah. That. I mean, that's an excellent point, right? If you are a team that has a quarterback struggle. And um, you know that you could be drafting in the top five or top ten. There's no way you give away those two, you know, those mm-hmm. those two first round picks at all. Um, and especially if you're a team that doesn't have a stable quarterback, of course not, right? Because you want to be able to be in a position to drop to draft the first or second best quarterback in the upcoming drafts. But the Seahawks have Russell Wilson for the foreseeable future. Um, they haven't drafted particularly well when it comes to sort of those. Um, those bigger positions that you need to really, really hit on, um, like an edge, like think of Frank Clark. I mean, that, you know, he's no longer with, even with the Seahawks. Um, so, you know, they haven't drafted extremely well when it comes to those big name positions. And they don't need to try to save up their picks to get a quarterback. So I think, you know, if you look at when you really break it down, instead of saying a first round pick, you should really be saying, uh, uh, 20th overall and up mm-hmm. pick you know because first round you know we see we think of you know first you know overall first overall pick or one through five or something like that but it's not that and you know the reality of the situation is different so in those once you start getting from pick 20 to 32 there's a lot of misses there so having the surefire thing jamal adams um, is something that I think that they probably thought about and that they probably admitted to themselves. Like you said, we're in a, we're in the position um, where we need to capitalize upon what we have now. And we don't necessarily have to invest in the future at those draft picks. Well, Ben, it's uh, we've, we've pa- made it through the rapid fire questions and it's time to make some predictions in in this next segment, what we're going to do is we're going to predict the outcome and the participants of the first game of the NFL season and Ooh. the last game. So, Ben, the first game, I can already tell you who's playing in it because I can see the future. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> it's the Chiefs and the Texans. Uh, the defending champion Chiefs will be playing host in a nearly empty Arrowhead Stadium to the newly signed to a contract extension Deshaun Watson and a cast of receivers that have not been traded away yet. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, it's going to be a fun game to watch. You got two of the best young quarterbacks in the game, um, and you have the half billion dollar man playing for the Chiefs. Um, when I think about this game, you know, I think of the location. It's at Arrowhead. Um, so, you know, you said there's not going to be many fans there. Um, but I think the team overall is going to be in a really good vibe. It's their first game back at Arrowhead since they um, won the Super Bowl. And that includes preseason games since there were no preseason games. So, you know, they're going to be able to play for that. They are bringing back, unlike many other Super Bowl teams, they're bringing back a lot of the same players. Um, so they're just basically picking up where they left off. That's not necessarily true for the Texans, right? They traded away – or they um, Lamar Miller is no longer on the Texans. DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, is no longer on the Texans. Um, so there is a lot of movement within their um, their offensive scheme, and I think that, that they're going to need to get some footing. And at the end of the day, um, that sort of sounds like it's I'm heavily favoring the Chiefs, but I'm not. I think that the Chiefs won by a touchdown, maybe four points or so. Um, but I think I would say that the Chiefs will win. Uh, I think it'll be a good game, fun game. Mahomes and Watson are always fun to watch, especially when they go against each other. But at the end of the day, I think the Chiefs, um, I think that they have some growing uh, pains in this first game. Uh, but I think that ultimately they just pick up where they left off and the Texans are the ones that with the growing pains that are highlighted. Well, Ben, I really can't disagree with anything you said there. But even saying that, I'm picking the Texans. I, okay. I, I don't know why. You love your Watson. You love your Deshaun Watson, he's, which is he's, great. I can't blame you. Yeah, he's really good. And yeah. here's the thing. The argument can be made 
that Deshaun Watson is the better quarterback in this game. Okay. Now, I'm not going to make that <laughs> argument. I do not All agree right, with that. I okay. think I mean, Patrick Mahomes is on pace to uh, make Tom Brady look like his, his, his little son or something. Like, he's, he's uh-huh. out there shredding it up. Second year as a starter – first year as a starter wins the MVP. Second year as a starter wins um, the Super Bowl. Like, this trajectory is crazy. So, yeah, I'm not going to make that argument, but what I'll say is that the two are a lot closer than you may think. I think Mm -hmm. that you look at what Patrick Mahomes got. He got a year as a backup to watch a professional quarterback in Alex Smith just have one of the best seasons of his career under Andy Reid. He's had uh, Matt Nagy and Eric Bieniemy, incredible offensive minds in their own right. Their defense has been good enough, and um, the players around him have been superb on offense. He's had one of the best offensive lines, and he has the best one of the arguably the best tight end in football. Um, a couple years ago, he definitely was the best tight end in football. In Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill may be the fastest player um, in the league, mm-hmm. and like he's had an embarrassment of riches. Then you look at Deshaun Watson, and they were drafted just like one spot away from each other, right? Um, And Deshaun Watson gets Bill O'Brien, not just as his coach, but also as his GM. Yep. And he gets Nuke Hopkins, who is great, and now he's gone. But who else have they really had at receiver? Their offensive line has not been good. Larry Tunsil, you know, is now there, but... Other than that, their offensive line still isn't great. Mm-hmm. Their running game has not been consistent, and now they're going to gamble on David Johnson because they didn't want to pay DeAndre Hopkins. Like, it's Deshaun Watson has overcome adversity, whereas Patrick Mahomes has taken an embarrassment of riches and run with it. I'm not going to fault Patrick Mahomes. I don't know that he could have done any more than he's done. Um, if you switch those two players, I don't know that we're not having that the storylines are any different, really and truly. Mm-hmm. Could you could you make an argument that um, if we swapped those two players, does Deshaun Watson and the Chiefs, or do Deshaun Watson and the Chiefs win a Super Bowl, and does Patrick Mahomes consistently get bounced in the early rounds of the playoffs with the Texans? Uh, I would say Mahomes would not win a Super Bowl uh, in the te- with the Texans, but I would also say uh, Watson wouldn't win a Super Bowl either. Mm. So, you know, I, I think that Mahomes perfectly fits that extreme air raid office, offense that the Chiefs had. And while Watson has a big arm, Mahomes has a bigger arm, and he's able right. to, um, you know, I think he's able to stand in the pocket a little bit better than Watson is um, and take some of those hits. And so I think that Watson – Mahomes is perfectly suited for his offense. Um, you know, I think Watson would do really well in the offense for sure. Um, but at the same time, I also think you make a great point because if you put Mahomes in Bill O'Brien's offense with the personnel that they have around the Texans, I don't think that Mahomes is as successful as he was with the Chiefs. So overall, if we're talking about pure situation, certainly the Chiefs are the better one. Um, but I would still say Mahomes in a vacuum would be better than um, Watson. I'd agree. I, I, mm-hmm. I like where you went with that. The The only way I, I differ is I say Mahomes does not make the play that uh, Watson made against the Bills to win that playoff game. So they lose. And I, I do think that uh, Deshaun Watson would win a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. But, mm-hmm. it you know, the point that we're both making is is those two are both incredibly talented Um, the gap between them talent wise is not very much. Yeah. So that is um, week one. Where are we going to be looking given we have a Super Bowl in February? Who are you projecting is going to be in that game? Yeah. So my projection for the Super Bowl on September 8th, 2020 uh, what about six months or so before the 
February Super Bowl. Uh, two teams we've already chatted about tonight. Uh, one, Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm sorry as a Chargers fan that pains me to say, <laughs> but that would be my pick for the AFC. They're just a juggernaut. Mahomes is great. He's healthy. They brought everybody back. You know, no one in the AFC is is looking particularly strong enough to challenge them, especially with the Patriots um, parting ways with Brady and Belichick. So I put the Chiefs as my AFC favorite. And then in the NFC, I would pick the Seahawks, who we also chatted about tonight. Um, You know, Russell Wilson is playing great, uh, great um, football. They've got Jamal Adams there. They don't have to suffer the consequences yet of not having those two first round picks that they gave up to get Adams. Metcalf um, sort of had a breakout year last year, and so it'll be interesting to see what he can do in the second year. Tyler Lockett is extremely underrated as a wide receiver. He's playing fantastic football, um, you know, and their secondary is really coming along. So uh, I'm going to put, you know, they're, they do have a tough division. I don't even know if they win the division, to be honest. I don't think the 49ers are as good as they were last year. I think that they regressed to the mean a little bit, but I do think that the Cardinals take that next step. So I don't know if they even win the NFC West, but I do have them winning the NFC. And uh, that means that it's going to be a Chiefs-Seahawks Super Bowl. And I'm going to go ahead and say that Russell Wilson is going to remind everyone why he is an elite quarterback, elite of the elite, and should, uh, in his mind, possibly be mentioned in the same breath as Mahomes. And he's going to take away the Lombardi Trophy this year. Wow. I, I really like that. And I would not be upset at all if that came to be. Um, isn't it 2032? That's the Chargers year, right? When Mahomes' deal expires? Yeah, that's, that's right. That's when we're both winning the division and the uh, AFC and the Super Bowl. Okay. All right. Yep. Just keep, yep, that's right. Keeping hope alive for you. With, yeah, with the I appreciate Chargers. that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would love to see that. I love Russell Wilson. Um, that would be awesome. I think that'd be an incredible game. Different styles clashing. Um, love Mahomes too. So that that would be yep. really awesome. Um, I went a little. Um, I don't know. I guess I went kind of chalk with one pick and kind of off grid with another. Similar to what you did there, picking the Seahawks. Probably not a lot of people's favorites from the NFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NFC. I'm picking Drew Brees and the Saints. Um, I think I've been okay. picking them for like the past three years. They I just, was going to say, yeah, they, they they are always the preseason favorites. They constantly, they've just done a great job of accumulating talent. They've gotten through. It seems like they're about to sign Kamara to a big deal. He's going to be happy. He's an explosive player. Taysom Hill's an explosive player. Uh, Michael Thomas is an explosive player. Emmanuel Sanders is going to be a great number two receiver on that offense and drew Brees is great just about spreading the ball around mm-hmm. so and i love what they're doing on defense they didn't get jadavion Clowney, but you know that doesn't mean they're not going to share the field with him because yeah. the other team that i'm picking from the afc is the tennessee titans wow oh yeah. man all right yeah I, i'm I'm probably making Selvin really happy with that pick. He's a big <laughs> Titans fan. Talked a lot of smack when when they went on their run in the playoffs last year. Um, I think they carry over the momentum. I'm not sure if they win their division. They do have to play beat out the Texans and the Colts. But if they get hot again like they did, if um, Ryan Tannehill can play mistake-free football and let Derrick Henry carry the load again, then I think they've got a good chance. And they just added mm-hmm. an, an elite defender in Jadavian Clowney. Um, I like their chances. You know, the AFC is weaker, you know, with when you lose someone that's thought as uh, thought of as the greatest of all time out of your conference, your conference just got a little weaker. No matter yeah. what else happened, it just got a little easier. Your path to the Super Bowl. So Tom Brady's out of the way. Not that he was a hurdle for the Titans last year, um, but I, it will it will be an upset when they beat out the Chiefs or the Ravens because those are the two favorites in the AFC. I really, if I'm going with what I think is most likely to happen, you know, like I'm picking the Ravens. I think they, I think it's like their turn. You know, the storylines <laughs> are pointing that way. Yeah. Um, but. 
yeah, it's going to be a clash of styles between whatever two teams meet in the AFC championship. If the Titans win the AFC championship between, you know, the Ravens who do have a run heavy offense, but are more explosive as far as big plays and the chiefs who are an air raid attack. Um, then you've got the Titans who are going to, you know, milk the clock, run the ball right down your throat. They're going to run that stretch run with Derrick Henry when you know it's coming and they're still going to get six yards. And then when you're not expecting it, Ryan Tannehill is going to bomb, throw a 60 yard bomb to AJ Brown for a touchdown. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be a fun season. Um, I would like yeah. to see either of these outcomes would be really exciting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Titans uh, acquired Vic Beasley, too, in the offseason, so that'll be fun to watch. And you know who else they acquired was former GOATS teammate Steven Goskowski. So, and he's won three Super Bowls, so you're saying he's going to get his fourth Super Bowl, which would probably be the most Super Bowls in the AFC uh, remaining now that Brady's out of it. So, wow. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. History in the making. It must be. No matter what happens, this will be a historic season. I'll, I'll say that without any yeah. hesitation. Definitely. 100%. All right, Ben. Well, it's been a lot of fun talking NFL. And, you know, we probably won't wait very long before we do it again because we're junkies and that's what we do. Um, so, guys, if you're listening, thank you. Um, share this episode and message us and we'll send you a sticker. Um, pretty cool stickers. And um, stick it on your fridge, on your car, on your suitcase, your laptop. Tell everyone your cat. that you love our podcast. Your, your cat. That's, <laughs> uh, that, that'll be trickier, but send me a picture. I'll send you another sticker. <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter. Um, keep up with us on Instagram. Email us. You can check. Um, we will check that periodically. See what you're saying. Um, yeah get in touch with us we appreciate you until next time Yeah, just <laughs> tried to hold back a sneeze. Can you please put that in the episode somehow? <laughs> <laughs> uh.